Cumberland Podcast. My name is Chris Fleming. I'm the Adult Ministries Coordinator for the Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, and I am excited to be with you uh, to talk about the lectionary coming up for April the 5th, 2020. It's going to be your choice, preachers. The Liturgy of the Palms or the Liturgy of the Passion. You pick. Depends on if the glass is half empty or half full for you right now. If you want to uplift your congregation, I'd choose the Palm Sunday liturgy. But if you really just want to get some frustration of uh, being indoors all the time out, yeah, go with the liturgy of the Passion. So anyway, uh, our collect for today is Almighty and ever-living God. In your tender love for the human race, you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature, to suffer death upon the cross, giving us the example of his great humility, mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forevermore. Amen. So again, this Sunday you have a choice. Uh, You can observe Palm Sunday, which is kind of celebratory in mood, or you can do the Liturgy of the Passion. That has a more serious and somber tone. It's your choice. I've always loved a Palm Sunday procession with kids and adults bringing up the palms to the altar. Uh, But that's probably not an option where you're at this year. So it's your choice. I'll give you what I have for each. um, And then you you can go with it from there. On your Zoom or Facebook or YouTube. Or whatever platform. SoundCloud. Nobody's, Nobody's flooding SoundCloud. What's up with that? Anyway. Uh, and if you're doing the Palm Sunday, there's only a gospel and a psalm reading. And I do think it's very interesting how the two to go together as I kind of studied and, and read this week. So I'll share with you what I got with the Liturgy of the Palms. It's going to be Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. And then Psalm 118, verses 1 through 2. And then 19 through 29. The gospel passage is a well-known passage. It's where Jesus tells the disciples to go get the donkey and the colt to fulfill the prophecy of the Messiah uh, coming in, mounted on a donkey. Jesus gives instructions to the disciples, saying, Go ahead and get the donkey and the colt. You will find, untie them, and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord has need of it. And so the first point, as I was looking through this in a sermon, would be that for whatever reason, God has ordained that the story of redemption is put in the hands of people. And those people have to be faithful. To the Lord, giving what the Lord has entrusted them to give as good stewards. That's the first point, that we're good stewards of what God gives us. So everything we have belongs to God, whether it's a donkey or a colt. Our whole lives belong to the living God. In due time, when we're needed, God will call upon us, and we should be or will be ready to give what the Lord desires when the Lord desires it. This is what it means to be a servant and a steward of God. Which leads to the second point. The text said that uh, they did what Jesus asked. So the disciples went and did what Jesus asked. I know it seems simple, but just imagine. Just imagine you're going up to somebody's house and just kind of jumping in, taking their car, saying, ah, the Lord has need of it, and he's told me to take this. Of course, that's kind of silly, but how about this one? How about you got some extra cash for whatever reason, and there's a great need at the church. Maybe there's a roof. Maybe there's some... Uh, delayed or deferred maintenance that hasn't happened, and the Lord puts it on your heart, give up that cash. Hmm. Or that might even be an easy one for some people. 
How about you're sitting in a waiting room and there's a couple other people hanging out and the Lord puts it on your heart that maybe you should engage in a little evangelism. How's that work out for you? Or maybe you're struggling with a calling to be a minister, a Sunday school teacher, to lead a youth group, whatever it may be. What do you do if the Lord puts it on their heart? Sometimes we mask simple obedience with more giving, maybe some more extra Bible studies, some more prayer time. But maybe God simply desires that you do what he asks you to do. Maybe to obey is better than sacrifice. And so my third point would be that when the people are good servants and stewards for the Lord, and they do what the Lord asks them to do, it leads to praise. As Jesus came into town riding on the donkey, a a crowd gathers and begins to praise. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven, they start shouting. What causes them to praise? And that's where you bring in the psalm passage. For you can find the answers of why people are praising uh, the son of David in the psalm. Uh, And some of those reasons include uh, that God's mercy endures forever. With Jesus riding in, it proves God's mercy has has not stopped, but it endures forever. That God does, the second thing is, that God does answer the prayers of God's people. It also shows that God has become our salvation And then finally, that the Lord has shined his light upon us. So take time to explore these themes and other themes that uh, bring you and your congregation to worship God. That's not bad to examine all the many blessings that God gives us. Alright, so then the fourth and final point. Nah, not the final point that I'd have for you today would be Praise and worship of Jesus Christ caused some people in the city to ask, Who is this? Now Jesus in the Gospel in John said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And I've always thought the best kind of evangelism is the true worship of God and Jesus Christ. But that being said, you can also use this psalm as a springboard to discuss who this Jesus is, as the crowd asked. The psalm says that Jesus is the gate of righteousness, the chief cornerstone. Ultimately, Jesus Christ is God incarnate. So you can preach this, brothers. You can preach this uh, from from one side of the Zoom panel to another, if you'd like. So that's pretty good there. Um, So now we turn to the Liturgy of the Passion. Again, this is kind of a rough one. It always is. Um, Those texts are going to be Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 through 9. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Matthew chapter 26, 14. Through 2766, I can imagine you reading it. That's a long, long bit of scripture. Um, you can also condense it to Matthew 27, 11 through 54, or um, Psalm 31, 9 through 16 is the psalm. So as we turn to the liturgy of the Passion, uh, here's some general themes that you got. Obviously, the first theme is that Jesus is a suffering servant. All of our texts speak of the passion of Jesus Christ to do God's will and redeem God's people. Another theme apart from the physical suffering of Christ is the free but emotional submission to God's will. And I bring this out because I've been in the ministry long enough to notice two errors that sometimes exist in in Christians. First is someone who has a complete head knowledge about God with no fire or heart. And the second is a passion for God with no head or heart. And here's what happens. Sometimes we think ourselves out of submission and sacrifice uh, because we overthink things and say God really hasn't called us to do that. 
and sometimes we're overcome with emotions and we do things which aren't smart for us because we think we need to be passionately pursuing God. And at some point you have to have a, uh, um, you have to have a balance between what is a free choice of the mind and also driven by the passion of the heart for God. Demonst uh, Jesus demonstrates a heart for God that leads to humiliation and suffering. But here's the thing, it is a free choice from his mind to submit himself to it, right? Um, as he mentioned in, in different parts of the gospel, um, I lay my, my life down for the sheep. No one takes it, and I lift it back up. It's important to note because true religion should always lead us to a free choice to follow passionately after God and God's purposes in our lives. Um, uh, today I'm not going to go into... Uh, each scripture text because, well, it's repeat, like the Isaiah turns into the psalm, the gospel is the Isaiah and psalm fulfilled. But what I want to do is explore how you could preach these texts together. Um, and I think the texts that hold all of these texts together is the epistle passage. Paul writes, let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus Christ. So that's the key to the liturgy of the passion, right? The love and determination of Jesus Christ is on full display. Jesus calls us in the Gospels to take up our cross and follow him. The unfortunate thing is that by picking up our cross, uh, that leads to crucifixion. Our crucifixion. We submit ourselves to God. And, and God may use us in the same way that God used Jesus Christ. I mean, we may very well be called to be a suffering servant at some time in this world and in our church. So anyway, I was thinking about a way to preach this sermon uh, first, you use Philippians as the Philippians text as a foundation. And in having the same mind as Christ and using characters from the almost two chapters of the text from the gospel, you could get an understanding of the reactions of the characters and reflect on what it meant to have a mind of Christ. So if you think about the characters in the story and relate them to the mind of Christ, some of the possibilities would be Judas and then how the disciples reacted in different parts of the stories. Of course, you could use Peter in his first confident declaration of faithfulness compared to the time when the rooster crows. You could listen to the reactions of the crowds in the story. What about Pontius Pilate or the thieves on the cross or the centurion who says, ah, oh, surely this is the son of the living God. Or Simon the Cyrene who had the cross uh, forced upon his back and so on. You could go through that uh, long uh, passion narrative and, and highlight and bring out different reactions of people not limiting simply to that two chapters but also for Peter for instance he did learn what it meant uh, to be one with Christ and to suffer for Christ right um, so and the other disciples too there's Mary Magdalene and Mary mother of James and Mary the mother of Jesus all up in these texts and you could pick uh, different characters and, and then explore their 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 minds and see where it lined up. Uh, this could also be a sermon about our attitude of injustices in our lives. So you could raise the question that maybe the injustices we have suffered and maybe are still suffering are part of God's plan to redeem us or to redeem others. And I know that's not a real popular sentiment. But it is why Jesus took up the cross and suffered humiliation and beating. And it was so that we could be redeemed. But here's the trick. This kind of um, suffering cannot be a manipulated choice. It cannot be done out of false religious zeal or out of guilt 
some misplaced guilt. It must be done by free choice and done with a proper dose of thinking. For instance, a child should never submit themselves to child abuse simply because they're submissive and picking up their cross. A spouse should never be abused because they think it's simply their lot in life. Uh, that's manipulation, that's humiliation, and that's not, uh, that's not uh, a free choice to submit to God's will. Me, personally, I'm not above being taken advantage of. I'm a preacher. This is often what happens in my life. But I don't like it when people try to manipulate me. I like to have the free choice of what I get taken advantage of. So again, these must be free choices. Even Jesus Christ in the garden prayed earnestly that the cup would pass from him. But nevertheless, not my will, Christ says, but thy will be done. To have the mind of Christ is to freely pick up our cross and freely give of ourselves to God as God sees fit and trusting that God has a glorious plan both for us and the redemption of the world. And I'll end by saying that this is difficult, but the more I think about Easter, the more I think this is what it means to pick up our cross and follow Christ. Uh, dear Lord, I pray that you would be with each and every one of those that are hearing this today. I pray that you'd be with all of our preachers, elders, our teachers, our people, um, both within the Cumberland Presbyterian Church and without. I pray that you would end this, um, this craziness very soon. I pray that um, through the struggles, the church has learned to deliver your gospel in new ways, that we've learned greater compassion, that we've learned um, to bear with one another in love, that we've learned how much your church really does mean to us because we've been far apart. So Lord, keep doing a work in us. Glorify us as we glorify you, and uh, give us sweet words of encouragement for our people as they tune in in whatever capacity that they tune in. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.